the secret to winning a bowl game is the kids got to have a good time, but they got to understand it's a, it's a trip to, to win a game, too. I've only been to one bowl game. I went to the one my first year. Uh, Four? Five. I've been to two. Uh, You've been to two? Two out of my three Cotton years. Bowl, yeah. Sugar Bowl, Alamo Bowl. Five. You guys have some, some, some yeah, we're no, three and no. we're three and two in my bowl game. I'm zero so. and two. I'm one of them. Awesome to win. I've it been changes, in, it changes everything to win that bowl game to feel good yeah. for the next five six months. Yeah. It changes everything. Sure. Yeah. We made it. Hey. We made it. Yeah. Hey guys, Steve Hauser here. 2011 class from Wesleyan University. Receiver, uh, special teams coordinator here at Oklahoma State. Lucky enough to be here with Leibs and, and Kyle Weiss talking about the old days and uh, a little bit of what's next. Hey, this is Kyle Weiss, UCLA graduate assistant. Uh, hold on, what was I supposed to say? Uh, hey, this is Kyle Weiss, UCLA graduate assistant, Wesleyan University class of 2012. Hey everybody, this is Kyle Weiss, UCLA graduate assistant, Wesleyan grad, 2012. Live in LA. Mm. It's probably about what mine is. A, a, a decent one-bedroom apartment is like 1800 bucks. I have a three-bedroom house for $800 a month with a backyard and a fence. Oh you know what you can get for 1800 a month in Ridgeway, Queens? Studio basement apartment with no windows. It's always December. <laughs> What's going on? This is your host, Drew Lieberman, and welcome to episode 16 of the Sideline Hustle podcast. We are talking all about bowl season. Joining us in the podcast today, former Maryland head coach Ralph Friedgen, Don Bosco prep head coach Mike Teal, and some new members of the Sideline Hustle team. We welcome Oklahoma State special teams coordinator Steve Hauser and UCLA graduate assistant Kyle Weiss to the show, who are both college teammates of mine at Wesleyan. We also welcome Rutgers senior captain, offensive lineman Dorian Miller, and former Rutgers quarterback, former Delaware quarterback coach Mike Bamonte. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Sideline Hustle to stay up to date with everything we're doing related to the podcast. Also, visit our website, thesidelinehustle.com, which is being developed on the daily. So be sure to check it out. Take a look at the show notes throughout the episode. There's a reference there for some of the names and places we talk about during the podcast today. You don't know how long I waited. I could have been waiting on tables. My karma's amazing. I'm out in the Caymans. Rented a 12-bedroom house just to sleep. All the women we came with. That's ignorant, ain't it? Sometimes I question myself when I think about the pictures I painted. Then I pick up my brush and I sign it the bottom like, we made it. What was it? Did you guys ever get, like, what's the coolest gift you guys ever got? Bull gift. You probably got some dope ones. $400 gift card to Best Buy. Really? Hands down. That's uh, pretty good. One of our, you know, one of our, one of our walk-on defensive ends ended up using, I think, he turned that $400 gift card into a $50 gift card to Chipotle and a $350 gift card into Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> so he literally created his gift card in for gift cards. Yeah, other That's dope. Places, but we got Yeti coolers this year. Yeah. It was awesome. Like a big, like 35 gallon, like huge Yeti cooler. This is like 600 bucks. I know. That's crazy. Um, they all got delivered to the equipment room on the same day. They were like, you know, 125 Yeti coolers yes. stacked in the That's equipment crazy. Room. That's really cool. Um, no, yeah. Like the TV I had in my room up until about a month ago was my older brother's TV that he got from the Fiesta Bowl. That's awesome. From like 2010. I remember our equipment guy used to call himself like his name was Coos, like Santa Coos. Every day after practice, it'd be something. The kids, the players will have one thing in there. In Locker, like you know, you have like 20 prices, yeah, yeah, like 20 20 things every day. Come off the field, they a pair of shoes or shirt, whatever it was. That that was that was cool. That's awesome. What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Drew Lieberman. I'm slow packing. (laughs) Our days here are numbered. Even the way we've come up in the world, think about it. We've created the website ourselves. We've made this podcast ourselves. Like everything's been done just by us hustling. And you are now listening to the Sideline Hustle Podcast. We talk about doing this show. Yeah, we, we laugh and we joke and we complain about how hard we work. But if we didn't love to coach, we wouldn't be doing it. I want the good guys in. Get them out of there. I want the good guys in. To me, I think we're broadcasting the day-to-day life of what college football is. From the sidelines, we gotta hustle, cause we gotta eat. 
from the sidelines. We got some goals that we still gotta reach. You know, one of the things when you get to go to a bowl, whatever bowl you're going to, you want to know what their gifts are. This is Ralph Breachin, former head coach of the University of Maryland. And what I did, I thought it worked out extremely well, was, um, you know, I always had a, what I call a Terrapin Council. You know, what, what coaches think kids would want and what they really want are two different things. So um, I would have the Terrapin Council say, okay, I'd say, okay, here's the amount of money. Here's what you're going to get. And sometimes they give, you, they give you gifts, okay? And then you get an allotment from the NCAA of money that you can spend on gifts for each player. So I let... The kids decide what gifts they wanted. So I gave them, you know, I gave them three or four days. I said, go talk to the players. And I had my equipment guy give them some thoughts on gifts. They had a, I don't know, he did up a sheet that had the gifts that would, you could pick this one and this one that comes up to this amount of money, you know. Now, one year, one year when we went to the Peach Bowl, the kids wanted a ring. And I only gave rings out if you won a conference championship. They said, coach, we, we, we want a ring. We want the ring like last year. I said, last year's team won the ACC championship. This year you came I said, so I said, okay, I'll tell you what, if you win the Peach Bowl, then you're Peach Bowl champions, and I'll give you a ring for that. But that took up most of their money. So I said, if you don't win, then you get to spend the money after the bowl game, but you won't get your gifts other than what the, the Peach Bowl gave you. So the kids decided to do that, which gave them more incentive to win the game. So they got a nice ring for winning the Peach Bowl and had a record on it, who they beat, what the score was. One of the best things I think we do is we, as coaches, vote for game captains every week. Hey guys, Steve Hauser here, special teams coordinator, Oklahoma State, Wesleyan grad. And we'll do, you know, rotating the coaches two, do. Yeah, coaches do, and staff meetings on Thursday mornings, we'll go two on offense, one on defense, one on special teams, and then the other week it'll go the opposite, right? You'll get two on the other phase of the ball and always one on special teams. Well, at the end of the season, when you're done, the players get that list of all the game captains, no matter if it's offense, defense, or special teams. The players vote on who wears the C at the end of the year, and thankfully we've been in a bowl game for 12 years in a row now. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the players vote for who their captain is, and at the end of the year, the team, like the, the captain yeah. picture gets put in the locker room with Coach Gundy. That's really cool. So it doesn't matter who is the captain week one. Like, right. if that guy screws off in winter workouts or over the course of the season and does something something stupid that's not for the team, he doesn't wear the C. Like, nobody wears the C until the bowl game. It allows those guys for you to recognize those guys week to week. Who really responded last week? Who's taken the leadership yeah. role? That yeah, it makes you earn it every week, too. Every you week. You can't get complacent as a captain. Or, Correct. You know? How many bowl games in your coaching career did you play? And do, you, do you know off the top of your head? Oh, wow. Well, I was a head coach for seven out of, in my ten years. One five. I would say, I don't know. 15, 20. What's the question? How many bowls did I play? Oh, that you had. I mean, starting with, um, actually, you written that down in that resume that we did for Rutgers. Yeah, so all of the bowls starting back with um, Maryland in the uh, Hawaii Bowl that we went to. What was it called? The Aloha Bowl. Bowl was our first bowl. Is that what you mean? Is that Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was the Aloha Bowl. We did the Sun Bowl. We did the Citrus Bowl. Tangerine Bowl. That was the Tangerine yeah. Bowl back then. Pontiac. Bowl, whatever that yeah, cherry bowl. bowl. So we did five bowls then. Um, Georgia Tech, I think we did four. Chargers, the Super Bowl. I don't know. Four with George. Seven, went seven. to four bowls in the, when we went back to Georgia Tech. Oh. So it's probably, you know, 15 or 20 bowls. So, so what's, so I, you know, as I guess right now when I say bowl season and you start thinking about what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Reward for the player. What's up, guys? This is Mike Teal, head football coach at Don Bosco Prep High School, former Rutgers and Seattle Seahawks quarterback. Coach Ciano would always preach during my time as a player at Rutgers was that the the bowl games were a reward for your hard work during the course of the season and, and becoming bowl eligible and going to play in a bowl game. And it's an opportunity for players to go to a different city and, and spend some time in a different city uh, with their teammates and get a chance to focus on a game but also relax at the same time. Well, when you have that opportunity to be eligible for a bowl, you mean it, it's a little different now than, you know, when I was first the head coach. I mean, when I was kind of there, you kind of wanted to start lobbying for bowls. Now, most of the bowls, the AD did the calling for you. But in my situation, WL had me do the calling. So I would, you know, the, the Orange Bowl, we were, that was automatic. If you won the ACC, you played in the Orange Bowl. 
so I didn't have to do anything for that. But then we went to the Peach Bowl, and that year we tied for second with uh, Virginia, and they had beaten us, so they had the inside track to that bowl. And I called Gary Stoken up, who's I had got to know because I, I would go to their golf tournaments every year. And I told him, I said, you know, I really want to really come to this bowl. You know, his major thing to me was, can you bring, can you sell 17,000 tickets? And that's usually what they want to hear. You hedge it all on that, you're not going to the bowl. So I said, I said, yeah, we'll, we'll sell 17,000 tickets. I said, look what we did at the Orange Bowl last year. So then once you get the bid, that's got to work at selling those tickets. That's another whole deal unto itself where, you know, although we did pretty good, but we would have some of our big alumni buy a bunch of tickets and then. What was the consequence if you didn't? If you said, I'm going to sell 17,000. Well, then it became a bad rep for you. You know, uh, you had to pay for the tickets anyway. you got to buy 17,000 tickets, then it's up to you to sell them. So the school's responsible for that. So if you don't sell them, then it cuts into what the bowl page is. Nobody's very happy with that. The last bowl that I went to was the military bowl, and we finished second in the ACC that year and should have went to a whole different... The military bowl was the eight-seated bowl in the, in the um, ACC. And I think that was determined ahead of time because when I called Anderson, the AD, and I said, you know, I don't know how this works with you. I know how it worked with Debbie Al. Do I need to call the bowl people or, or are you going to call them? And he said, oh, we're already going to the military bowl. Now, we were playing uh, NC State in our, our last game, and they they had Russell Wilson. They were a pretty good team. They were they were ranked pretty high. I said, well, you know, if we beat them, we're going to end up second in the conference. We should be going to the Champ Sports Bowl and one of those bowls. He said, no, we're already going to the military bowl. I've already committed to it. So how can you do that? They're eighth, they're the eighth ranked bowl. I said, our kids are going to be crushed. And uh, so I don't. I called the league. They said that that wasn't an automatic thing. What I really think was happening was that the, the military bowl was in danger of going under. The deal was cut that they, that we would go because we would. We would. They had like thirty five thousand for the game. Uh-huh. Ladies, Carolina, and you'd be a bigger name than they deserve to have, right? And it was your last. Game. It was my last game, so people would come. But I think that I don't know if he had decided it was my last game when they had already committed to it. So it's a lot of different things that go into to getting you in the bowl game. And you know, normally it's where you you're seated in the league and how many bowls your league is connected with. So even with I guess explain this, even with the lower bowls, I think everyone knows like the Rose Bowl is connected to the Pac twelve, stuff like that. But even the lower bowls, those those are connected to conferences as well. Oh yeah. Every you know, sure, like well last night the uh, what's the Detroit Bowl? Quickly. Quick Lane Bowl, okay? That is a bowl that's connected with the ACC and the Big Ten, and it's it's the lower bowl of the of the two. Now, Northern Illinois played in it, and I'm assuming that the Big Ten didn't have anybody that could go to a bowl. You know what I'm saying? I was trying to think. I mean, Maryland and, and Rutgers, they were out. Illinois and Purdue, they were out. You know, so they had a lot of teams that didn't qualify for bowls. So that, then they go to the, at large, and it was probably Northern Illinois. You know, that's how it kind of Worse. Guys, what were the bowls you said you coached? Heart of Dallas Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Sugar Bowl. What are other ones? Alamo Bowl, and then Camping World Bowl this year. Hey guys, Steve Hauser here, special teams coordinator, Oklahoma State. Is there anything that stands out? Like the Sugar Bowl, you said Sugar Bowl, Cotton Bowl, like do those stand out? Yeah, the, the most bigger? definitive moment, unfortunately, is the Cotton Bowl. It was the last drive. Missouri had Shane Ray, um, yeah. Michael Sam, all those guys. There, there's a bunch of NFL guys on that roster. I know there's a corner that's playing in the league still. Um, EJ Gaines mm-hmm. was at corner for them, playing in the boundary. It's third down or fourth down, and it's third, third and long. We call um, four verts with a draw action, and I'm signaling in the plays. And when the running back lines up in the pistol, he's supposed to be an offset. I'm hollering, hollering, get get him over there. And I'm watching the game afterwards on the TV copy, and just at that moment, just that moment, they're like, you know what? Michael Sam hasn't had that big of an impact. And I watch this game, and I, I have the perfect view of it because I'm the whole time I'm trying to holler to get the running back into the offset position so we can get that draw action and try to pump that field backer. And it's like, God damn, like you wish you had that one. It's yeah. at the 25 yard line for the game like we're down three um 
and we get sacked by Michael Sam. Strip, strip sacked. <laughs> and they and they advance the ball and it's done. Getting into a bowl game, one, you got to qualify. And then you used to have to, you know, really lobby people and kind of know people and guarantee people you're going to bring people. That's They used to try to sell that to our fans. They always they want you to go to bowls, but then they don't want to come and support it. I think we even had a plan that you could buy your bowl tickets with season tickets. Oh, wow. And try to, you know, get the money up front. Yeah. At least that was talked about. I don't know if it was ever ever put in, but we were trying to come up with some creative ways to, when we went to a bowl, we'd say, okay, we already have 20,000 people or 10,000 people tickets already sold, which would make you more appealing to a prospective bowl. The other thing that's, that's involved in it, and it was much more involved later on, was ESPN. They have most of the bowls. They want most of the matchups. One of the things that hurt us going to the Champ Sports Bowl, because I called a director there, and he said that we had West Virginia, if they won their last game, was going to be in that, and that we had lost to West Virginia uh, that year, and that ESPN, what's his name, Mike Brown, I think it is, uh, he, didn't want to, he didn't want the same matchup again. I said, well, we had a similar matchup in the Gator Bowl, and it was the last time they sold out. I said, you know, you put Maryland and West Virginia together, you're going to get a sellout. I mean, every time. I mean, we could play four times a week and we'd sell it out. But uh, so I, I realized that, you know, ESPN was really kind of calling the shots. If you look today, most of the bowl games are on ESPN. So TV has a bigger say in it than what it used to do in, in times past. And then, you know, most of the kids would, you know, prefer to go to a, a warm weather bowl. Although I've heard, I've never gone to the bowl, but everybody I've talked to says they've enjoyed going to the Pinstripe Bowl because New York and on the holidays is a great place to go visit. We had a pinstripe bowl and that was dope for, for me just because obviously I stayed home to play college football. So This is Dorian Miller, 2017 senior captain and offensive lineman at Rutgers. I had no problem staying home and playing ball and going to the city. Yeah. It was, was something that I've done before. But just being there, you know, in that fashion, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Floyd loved it because he's, you know, he's a New York guy. So we pulled out all the stops, yeah, you know, because yeah. I, I believe yeah. his brother is affiliated with the, with the police. Yeah. Yeah. They were able to, you know, have us escorted through the city. That's a lot of yeah. work. Yeah. I mean, he probably should not Because you guys used to go back and forth every day, too. We went back and yeah. forth every day yeah. to practice, yes. That's wild. I know. I was kind of hoping we would, you know, practice like the Giants facility. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it logistically, it's probably about it was like, it's a drive. It made sense. And, and, and like you said, just the, the gifts and uh, you know, doing activities with the team. Yeah. And we went to uh, the Christmas thing at Radio City. Yeah. It, it meant it meant a lot to me because I I knew how I know how you know expensive and, and you know how these things you know how 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 much it means to, to be at these things in the city right. around this time around right. Christmas time right. you know it was just dope to be there and triple twice was Michael Monty former Rutgers quarterback and former division one quarterback coach hey, that's crazy it's a crazy for you guys to have four years so pin bowl freshman year sophomore was dope that was a Russell Athletic Bowl where was that Florida. that was cool was just, uh, in Orlando that's that was, awesome that was the year we lost to uh, Louisville in like essentially the Beach right the Sugar Bowl. Wow. I ended up playing Virginia Tech. That was an awesome week because it was late December and it's we're in the pool, like doing yeah. whatever the hell we want. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. And then we're pinch bowl again and then quick lane bowl. So yeah. and obviously quick lane bowl. That was a different experience. You know, that, so was different. that was that was one. Detroit was Detroit was wild. Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. You know, I was kind of hoping that year we got the uh, one in San Francisco. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Foster Farm. Yeah, Foster Farm. Oh, that's okay. what it was. Yeah, that, 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 yeah. they played the candlestick. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping. Yeah. I was hoping. I know we had that one. we like the Bahamas Bowl. But that was, you know, and that was dope. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna. I had fun, man. The Detroit man, it was crazy. Yeah, I had a blast. Bro, I would, I would, how about we finished like game planning or like drawing cards for practice the next day. Me and the GAs, I, we went to that casino every night. I woke up like face first on like the blackjack table like four nights in a row. <laughs> now that, that's what just made that time cool. It was just like everybody's here, everybody's guard is down. We just won. You know, we're getting a ring, you know, that we can have for the rest of our life. Yeah, right. That I, exactly. That I wear anytime I yeah. get a chance. No, 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 I get a chance no, no, no. too. So, you know, and, and, and uh, it's one of those things, you know, you just, you know, you just remember that for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's dope, man. Yeah. You, yeah. And just even flying out. Mm-hmm. Big ass plane we got. The whole, the whole thing, man. Just like that, that, that as a team, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that event as a team, I get to Even in practicing at Ford Field. Yeah, practicing like practicing at NFL Field was cool. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt. Like I agree. That, like, even like just, just. Being in the locker room, there's a lot that, I don't know, I think it was a visitor's locker room. Vision, but yeah. Just, just using that locker room every day. Right. And, and just getting a taste of that. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't realize it's just taken away from you. Like you thought it was a, you know, just me being a young guy and kind of just 
a little naive. You just kind of think it's easy. You know, mm-hmm. you, you just you know you, you you're accustomed to it. Right, you know, and, and you don't make it back to a bowl, and you're like, yeah. And then yeah. the next two years, you don't. Know, <laughs> yeah. Like I really, you just you just wanted to you know experience that one more time. Probably my senior year, we played North Carolina State in the Papa John's Bowl, and uh, Russell Wilson was the quarterback for NC State before he had transferred to Wisconsin. Uh, That's cool. And it was my senior year. The year we started one and five, we had won six straight games after we started one and five. Um, so we were going for our seventh straight, and uh, we we had the ball late in the game. Uh, we threw a deep touchdown pass to Kenny Britt to take the lead and, and basically eventually win the football game. They got the ball back, and, and our defense defense stopped him and we took a knee. So we, we won on really our last possession of the game, which was exciting. It was a good way to kind of end my college career. We had fought through so much adversity through that year and we were able to finish it uh, on a high note. It was it was a great way to end. I just, I remember after we got the ball back, I got taken out of the game and I came over to the sideline and, and just hugging everyone. It was- the second time we did pinch our ball was a joke because, I mean, we had already known the schedule. Like, and I knew everything, yeah. what the week was like. Not yet. That, that must have been cool because it was like you kind of have to play airy to it. That's yeah. like I wanted to. I wanted to get to that point. Where we'll, yeah, right. You know, like, like, I've done this. Yeah, it's my fourth bowl in four years. You know what I mean? I knew like yeah. That I day you showed up with the two a.m. curfew. Yeah. The day after that, we go to one a.m. Then the twelve thirty, and then of course you got the first thing you do is you bring the whole team together. And you have the security people come in and you tell them where and where not to go. And uh, like playing in the Sun Bowl, uh, we had a bunch of guys go to war as back in nineteen. 1985. You don't want to be going to war as today. Most of the time, I don't know if that really stops them. <laughs> but a lot of schools, and I never did this, and I don't believe in it, but they would have no curfew the first two nights. I think you're just asking for trouble. What I did was they had a one o'clock curfew the first night, and then 12 o'clock the second, and then we started tailoring that. Now, the kids would bitch about that, you know, because the first thing they're going to do is they're going to see the other team, and they're going to say, what is your curfew? And then the next question, they're going to say, how much money are you getting? So those are two questions that those kids are going to want to know. That was one of the funny, funny things about that experience. Like, you, that next night after we won, you kind of looking around at everybody like, you know, Damn, what, what happened? Yeah, right. it was, it, that morning, that I'll never forget that morning after we yeah. won that game. Yeah. I, we went out and we were out late, late drinking and having a good time. Yeah. And I woke up. I didn't. I don't think I went to bed till five thirty that night. Like late, late, It was honestly. It felt. Yeah. It felt like the. Uh, it it kind of turned into the wild, wild west. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's always trouble for head coaches at bowl games. Always. Always some guy's going to get in trouble. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I could get into stories. It was never any fun for me. I was happy that we won the game and it was over with. Family, oh, there, what a great time we had. It was a wonderful place. Yeah, and I'm over here, you know. We played on the 26th. So Christmas Eve going into Christmas night, me and Williams are at the blackjack table as it hits midnight. And I'm looking around, I'm like, yo, it's Christmas, and I'm with the biggest degenerates in America right now. <laughs> Smoking a cigarette, playing blackjack, like, you know, at a Detroit casino. Like, like what? You're, you're, it's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve, bro. I'm like, I'm not with my family. I'm just, I want to outlet. Like, I'm just trying to hang out. Like, I'm, I'm only going to be here once. Crazy, man. The day, the day we were supposed to leave after we won, we stayed that night, left for the next day, dude. Dude, I woke up in someone else's room. I don't even know who. And it, the bus was leaving at like 9.30. I woke up like 9.21. Had like sprint up four flights of stairs. Like none of my stuff was packed. I had to throw it all in a bag. Yo, I saw, I actually I was going to miss the bus. I'll before. never forget that morning waking up. Not like barely any sleep. And we had to go down for breakfast. We had team breakfast at whatever time it right. was. And I am in awful shape. Like awful shape. I'm talking like that. That time where like, you wake up and like you can't take your eyes off the floor because right, there's just uh, too much going yeah, on up yeah, top. Yeah, like you're just staring at the floor. And they have the they used to do the senior send off uh-huh. where they make you all stand up mm-hmm. and then you know everybody the seniors walk out of the room and then they're like, all right, this is what we got left. And I remember sitting there like I am on edge, like ready to throw up yeah. any second. <laughs> and I'm just standing there, like I swear to God. Like having a legit conversation with myself, like don't bro, like, <laughs> don't bro. Yeah, come yeah. on, bro, we need another minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another minute. <laughs> and coach is just talking and talking, and we're standing there like he lets us go. I sprint <laughs> from the banquet room to the bathroom, start throwing up. Like I'm telling you, like I was yeah. like 30 seconds away from like just completely embarrassing crazy. myself yeah. in front of everybody that morning. You know, and how you do curfew—that's a big thing. I mean, I I would do double bed checks, so I would come back. 
everybody had to be in at 11, I would do a check at 11, then I'd do another check at 1. I had this one guy at the, at the Peach Bowl, um, he's an African kid, and uh, he wasn't in his room at 1. So I bring the kid in, and he tells me that, uh, he says, I was calling my parents in Africa, and that's the only time I could get a hold of him. Well, I don't know what the what time zone is in Africa. I let the kid off, you know. So then we go to the the luncheon. They call up the kids to get their awards, and he doesn't show. I go up and get his award. So some kid came over and said, you know, Coach, um, he's not feeling well. He's in his room. And I had already told some kids I could stay in the room. So then I, I get all his stuff. I got it at my table. And finally, three kids came up and said, Coach, he's shacking up with some broad. He ain't been around. So... I'd take, tell my ops guy to take him to the bus station, put his butt on a bus, and send him home. I said, and make sure the bus pulls away. Well, he didn't do that. And now that the kid gets off the bus, and so now my AD is all on me because we can't find where the kid is. So she finally gets a hold of him, and she says, you know, we're going to put you on a plane and fly you back, blah, blah, blah. He goes, oh, I think I'm going to stay down here for the holidays. So he's my starting defensive tackle because we had another kid get hurt. So behind him, I got this kid, uh, Justin Duffy, who was on the lacrosse team, came out to us as a fullback and managed to get up to like, I don't know, 270 pounds. And the last two weeks of the season, I moved them to defense and we had trouble blocking him. Well, now he becomes the starter, Walcott, who was on the lacrosse team. Okay. He's starting against Tennessee. And Randy Starks, who was played in the league for about 15 years. He was the other defensive tackle. He gets, he pulls his groin the second play of the game, and now I'm playing with another walk-on at, at the other defensive tackle. And so I tell Duffy, I said, look, I got E.J. Henderson's my middle linebacker. I said, just tackle the guard every play. Don't let him on the linebacker. We'll, we'll just go from there. EJ's, EJ's in the press conference after the game. He won the most valuable player. And he said, we had some kid, I don't even know his name, played on the baseball team. He didn't know what <laughs> <laughs> and then Duffy would run off the field about every third play and throw up on the sideline. I'm saying, God, this kid's in terrible shape. Find out he has Crohn's disease. Oh, my goodness. That was the last game he ever played in. He played in one game. Wow. <laughs> and we won the game. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous story ever. In 2005, we went to the Insight Bowl in Scottsdale. The game was actually in, in Phoenix. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Mike Teal. We were playing Arizona State out there, and for, for all of us, it was our first ever bowl trip. I was a true freshman on that team. It was it was the first year we had ever become bowl eligible, and, and we got the nod that we were going to the Insight Bowl to play Arizona State out in Scottsdale. So we didn't really know what to expect. We get out there, fly in, we, we get off the plane, there's people cheering us. It was, you know... It, it was first class. The people who run the Fiesta Bowl at that time were running the, the Insight Bowl. So everything was on top of the line. So we get in there, we, we have our first team meeting. And again, not really ever being to a bowl, we don't know what to expect. So we go through this team meeting. One of the local police officers comes in and basically gives us a rundown. You know, you can't do this, you can't do that. Be careful here. After he finishes up, Coach Yano finishes the team meeting and basically gave us the night. And not having ever done it before, being at a bowl, we weren't really sure kind of what the deal was. But but forget what time the curfew was. It was either one or two o'clock in the morning. So everyone went out in Scottsdale. I mean, we had just come from New Jersey where it was 20 degrees and it was 80 degrees in Scottsdale. And and, uh, and the guys that were old enough were, were in the bars. There might have been some guys with fake IDs in the bars hanging out. And, and we had a great time. You know, we we went out and, and we had a lot of fun. Until the next morning, we practiced in the morning. We would practice early in the morning and then he'd give us the rest of the day to kind of enjoy ourselves, whether it was to hang out by the pool or be with family. After being out for for a night till till 1.30 in the morning. Turn around and we have 7 o'clock meetings and an 8.30 practice. And we go through our, our stretch lines and our, our normal kind of pre-practice routine. And he blows the whistle and says everyone up on him. And we all come up and we take a knee. And it smells like a bar. Half the team still were drunk from the night before. And needless to say, the way he, he took care of that was we got on the line and we ran for a little bit of time, probably a lot of bit of time. And, and we, we were a lot more careful going forward as far as how much we went out but it, it was fun again it was our first time ever going to a bowl really the level of expectation was was zero because you didn't know what to do or how it was going to go down it ended up being such a great experience for us and fortunately we, we lost the game you know 
up by, I think it was like a three or four point game. It was one of the best games of, of all bowl season that year. But it was a really good experience, especially for me being a true freshman, not having to play in a game, just going out and experiencing it all. It, it made it a lot easier for me the next three years as we went on to three more bowls to know what to expect and how to prepare and, and get ready to play a bowl game. As far as the money went, there were some things I did when I was in Maryland. If we were playing like in Florida, I would let them get to the game on their own and I could reimburse them so they could make some more money. I was scared to death when I did that because some of these kids would rent a van, all pile in the van and drive down from New Jersey to go to Florida so they'd make a couple of hundred bucks each because they'd get the cost of a flight. But I'm worried about them getting in an accident, getting there on time, the whole deal, just so they'd make a few extra bucks. But some of those guys, a few extra bucks was important. The other thing that I always did that it kind of served me well was uh, whenever, whenever we decided the matchup was who we were going to play, I always called the head coach of the previous year who won the game. Well, say, say we went to the Orange Bowl. I, I called up the, the head coach of Oklahoma, Bob Stoops, and he was great. He sent me his whole itinerary. He talked to me what he did. He actually scrimmaged in there. And, and the biggest thing he told me was, he said, I, I, I set up a tent and had um, lunch right after they showered so they could get on the bus and go and do what they wanted to do. And it didn't have to go back to the hotel and have lunch. And so I did that. I catered a place and it served us lunch after every day. I coached at North Carolina, uh, Budding. Coach Budding, he had, he had beaten Auburn the year before in the Peach Bowl. And we had beaten North Carolina pretty good two times that I played him. I think we beat him 59 nothing both years. Well, I called him up and um, he's a great guy I really liked him and, and you know you're calling me up and I said yeah I said you know the guys played really well against Auburn I said that you know I'd like to know what you liked you did and what you didn't like doing he said well he said the first thing is I would practice at Georgia Tech you had a choice to practice in the dome or practice at Georgia Tech and he said I, I wouldn't go in the dome because I think it wears on your legs then he told me he said um, at the luncheon I let my starters stay in the room if they didn't want to go to the lunch because it let them rest up. I, I told all guys that, but most of them came for the luncheon anyway. Then he said the day of the game, because we always played that game on New Year's Eve, he said I took everybody to the Martin Luther King Museum. So I did that, and it was kind of amazing because I had the parents come too, and because you, you fill the afternoon with something for them to do other than just laying in a hotel room. And they had a they had a they had videos of of lynchings, and my, my guys got they got way way out of they went with going crazy. So some of the parents came up to me and they said, you know, coach, it's good. You don't let them go in there. They're really getting upset. I said, well, maybe they should get upset. So I don't know, but we beat the hell out of Tennessee that day. And they had a great team. We're, we're consistent. It's consistent. Coach does a great job of treating those guys. It's it's not the same as a game week. We go two practices on, one practice off, and that's something that he prides himself on of we're in, we're, we're focused, we're doing bowl prep. We also have really a week off where the coaches go out recruiting um, during finals week. We don't practice during finals week. So those guys understand that it's a long season, and yeah. they can't we – we don't expect them to just grind for another 15 practices. Like there's – it's a segmented deal. We don't practice on weekends, mm-hmm. things like that's that. Really like they have, they have to have a chance to rejuvenate and, and also get down there. We get there at least in all of those bowl games. I've never – I never remember a team being down there before us. Yeah, we're always the first team down there. Like we might be a day, maybe even two, in front of the other team, so our guys can get down, get acclimated to where we are, enjoy the setting. Cause it is a it is a bonus. Mm-hmm. It is a benefit to yeah, those guys sure. to go down there. I think by the practice structure and us getting to the site early, so that those guys can get settled in that environment. Whether it was the Sugar Bowl for down in New Orleans or to be in Orlando on Christmas, um, we got to go to Orlando. Um, Universal on Christmas Eve with our families, cool. and then um, it was optional to go to um, to Disney World on Christmas Day. So that well, we didn't play till the twenty eighth. So yeah, those yeah. things kind of add up. You have a successful season. You just hear the announcement that you've made a bowl game. So now, as the head coach, kind of how, how does that change things for you? Well, every situation is different. It's all based around when your exams are. So. Most schools, for whatever reason, have their exams. Usually, they're done by them by the second week in, the, in December. In Maryland, we went all the way up to the third week in December. So now, you know, we always had a problem practicing for a bowl game or even going to 
some bowl games. Like, we could never go to a bowl game if they played it before Christmas because we were in exams. If we were going to take a bowl game that wasn't a New Year's Day bowl, we wanted to at least be on the, at the 27th or so, 28th, because we could get our exams done and then go and you know, I like the way I like to practice, and I never, I hated it really because I never understood how we played well in bowl games because of the way we practiced. Because what I would usually do is practice like three or four days before exams, and then I'd give them off for exams. The, the Orange Bowl, I didn't give them off for exams, and we didn't do well on exams, and we didn't do well on the games. So I kind of screwed that up. And so most teams, they can take their exams, practice, go home for Christmas depending on when the game is, and then resume practice at the bowl site or whatever. But what we have to do is we practice two or three, four days before exams, gave them off for exams. I'd like to get two to three practices in after exams and let them go home for Christmas. And then try to get a weekend, a normal week at the bowl site. That's kind of how we how we did it. Some game, some years, if we played like on the 27th, we left to go, as soon as our last exam was finished, we left right from there to go to the bowl game and then had Christmas at the bowl site and then practice. That wasn't the best. I mean, I think one game we played on Christmas, so that was really hard. What you like to do, and I think what most people do is, and some people don't even have their seniors come to practice the first week or so. I always had them come, but I didn't practice them very much. I tried to get three or four practices where you work with your younger guys mostly. So you kind of get three or four more practices of spring practice. We won five out of our seven games, and so I think the plan actually worked pretty good. I remember Coach Flood, like, leading up to it. He also used it as a time to kind of develop the young coaches. Like, we did something similar where we, had, we would have a full practice for the varsity guys, and then we would have, like, a, a, a scrimmage for the young guys. Um, like, off, just offense versus defense, but let them play, like, 25 plays. I remember he let some of, like, the player development guys, the GAs, call the offense and call the defense. And it kind of, like, I remember I, that was the first time, you know, other than, like, back as a student assistant in college that I had really been able to, like, call an offense. And I did that for a couple of scrimmages. That was really beneficial for me, too, which I thought was, was pretty cool by him to let us do. One of the things I did with my coaches that I learned from being assistant coach is that when we would go to a bowl game, I would have them do, I'd hand out the practice plans at least two weeks in advance so they could get all the scripts done. For the assistant coaches, I didn't want them doing scripts, you know, after coming back late and doing everything. Get all that done so you can enjoy what you can. We're going to be meeting, watching tape. If you got to go back and do scripts and do cards and all of that stuff, have that done before you get to the game. I remember going into the Quick Lane Bowl that you you didn't get that stuff from Kyle, and you had like you apologized to us as GAs because it was like Christmas Eve. We were up till forever, and it yeah. wasn't your fault because you were like you know we had just gotten the script. You had, we had to do our work. Like it wasn't, but you were like you know I wish if I'd had this beforehand, you guys would have had this night off, whatever. And we ended up you know stuck in there drawing right. cards. Yeah, and so I, I think that was important, dude. The best ever was what was I think it was Christmas Eve. It was like 11.30 and Ralph had just remember he had just given us this stick with, with the script on he gave us his, uh, his drive with, with the script on it and we're like looking at it we're looking in 2014 every 2014 folder and then we look in every 2013 folder can't find the script anywhere so we were like this guy must have deleted the script like he's gonna have to redo replan all of practice at 11.30 on Christmas Eve and like you know basically you and Sam were like dude I'm not going to tell him you're gonna go tell him and I was so scared <laughs> and so like I, I call him and I'm like coach you know I don't know what happened but we, we can't find the script what do you mean you can't find the script? Like, get up here. So I got I, I to go up to like the 17th floor. By the time I get out of the elevator, there's Coach standing in the doorway of his hotel room with just boxers on and like a triple XL Maryland t-shirt that's, that's hanging down to his knees. And he just looks furious. Like, I definitely just woke him up out of bed. He's definitely pissed. He grabbed the stick out of my hand. like, come here, let me, let me see this. And like, looks in it. And the first thing he does on the script is open up 2007 Spring Ball. And, and then in there is... 2014 bowl for me. It's right here. And I'm like, how was I supposed to know to look at the 2007 folder? And he's just he's ripping me for ruining his Christmas Eve. And meanwhile, we're up till two in the morning drawing cards. My first year as a QC, before I did the special teams thing, before I went to Cleveland, my brother, who played with us at Wesleyan, who was, I was a senior, he was a freshman, he was coming down to Dallas. We were playing in the Cotton Bowl against Missouri. And he came down like two days before the game. And um, the it sounds crazy in hindsight, but like Batman, like Dark Knight or whatever was coming out, whatever the big movie yeah. was. And it's the day, the day before the game. Like, so two days before, whatever that final prep day was. And my 
big job at that point was to draw all the plays. Like, you have everything. Like, final master copy. Yeah. And I had to do the final final. And you literally write, like, final final on the on the chart for the quarterbacks and all that stuff. Oh, I've got final final final. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, triple marked. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. the final final final. Yeah. And uh, my brother came down. I was like, you know what? I'm going to that movie. Like, I... I work my butt off. I'm going to that movie. And um, I come in at 3.30 or whatever it was the next day. And Vizio on the travel computer was like down. Oh. It was crashed. It was done. Yeah. And then the O-line GA had his tote bag with his laptop was like underneath a table and the whole thing. I had my hard drive yeah. and I'm scrambling. Now we got meetings at 8.30. Like we practice at noon and it's the final practice. I'm like, you know what? I put off... Yeah, I'm gonna go to the movies with my brother and whatever. I, I earned it, you know. I earned it, and I'm scrambling to get that thing printed off in in like a hotel. You're you're right. downtown down. It's the Cotton Bowl, like it's a legit game, mm-hmm. and you're scrambling to get those final pictures printed off oh, yeah. for for eight thirty. Right. Like it's not it's not noon. It's not one. Like you don't have time to it's ask right. anybody. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. like I, I pushed it. Like you know what? I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna be fine. <laughs> and the program wouldn't work, and you have to get another thing, and you're printing off a hotel copier and mm-hmm. your GA life is interrupted. I mean, all of us know how much it takes to get that thing hole punched and stapled and you need 42 copies and whatever it is to disseminate it oh. to everybody. It's a nightmare. It's a process, it's but it's also yeah. rhythmic, right? Yeah. Like, you know in your home place what that production process is. You're a UPS print shop. Mm-hmm. And, well, um, you can like, hear the rhythm of the printer. When you and I know. Like, I got yeah, 20 yeah. minutes. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. But, you know, I was like, you know what? I deserve this. And, uh, <laughs> Troubleshooting is your own problem at that point. Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. Man, I've been in like Moscow, Idaho. <laughs> like, I've been in, no, I'm not lying. Moscow, Idaho playing Washington State. And the printer's at the Best Western because it's the only hotel you can stay at right. to play Washington State. The printer's at the uh, Best Western don't work Uh to print on like the 11 by 17 or whatever, you know, yeah, menu, menu your, sheets with the laminate. Yeah, your menu yeah. sheet with the laminate. And yeah. the offensive coordinator changes like the game plan and he's got like last minute, he wants a couple changes. And like it's game day, we're playing at 7.30. It's like 10.30 in the morning. He like head coach wants the game plan by noon. You know, the, the whole thing. And I'm in Moscow, Idaho, looking for a FedEx. <laughs> one, one more time, where are you? Moscow, Idaho. <laughs> And I'm in the FedEx trying to get him to print this thing. And, like, the people are looking at you like, yeah. what the it's heck are you printing? Yeah. Like, what is this? You know, and you're just like, I need to print it. I don't care how much it costs. <laughs> like, can you laminate it? And, like, you bring it to him. And, like, because I was at a FedEx and not the typical hotel, like, the, the game plan I give Coach Mora is the greatest, like, the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. And so, like, next home game, he's like, I hand him the gameplay. He's like, "Wow, this doesn't look like it looked like last week." You know, it's like you don't want to know, all right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not funny. There's a lot of other things that go into it. Like when we went to went to Boise, I lost my defensive coordinator and my special teams coordinator. So I kind of went to defense because we were playing Kaepernick, and he they they had a great offense. They were run the they were run the triple option from the uh, from the gun from the from the uh, pistol, and they were running midline. They were running outside veer. They, I mean, really, I went up to the after the game, he's in the Hall of Fame, and so I'd like to visit you. He got, I think he thought I was being facetious. He got kind of nasty and slapped my hand away. But I was being, I actually thought that we had to stop Kaepernick running because I said if he beats us throwing, he beats us. And uh, so I watched, we were watching uh, them play uh, Boise State. Boise State played zero coverage and got an extra man on the quarterback. So my defensive coaches didn't want to do it. I said, we can't play zero coverage. We're not good enough. I said, we don't have to play it every down. We, we need to mix it in, run a dash, you know. So we put it in, you know, and and what I think, Alan Stevenson, he, I, I had him as my acting coordinator, and he did a great job of mixing that in with our regular coverages. So we, we weren't just sitting in that defense the whole time. I'll say we played that defense probably 30 of the 60 snaps that we were in. So, and, and what's that process when you do lose a coach before a bowl game because one of my buddies is a graduate assistant for UCLA this kid Kyle Weiss and obviously Chip Kelly just took over there and so he was actually a full-time coach for the 
bowl game. He was coaching the outside linebackers. What's the solution there? Yeah, I had a kid, really good GA, really good. Did an excellent job for me. I made him my special teams coach. So the opening kickoff, Torrey Smith takes it 102 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> and he was my special teams coach. And, and then we played great special teams. And, I, you know, I wasn't even surprised at that. I mean, but my bowl game experience this year. Hey, everybody, this is Kyle Weiss, UCLA graduate assistant, Wesleyan grad, 2012. Is, you know. Yeah, you were a full-time coach this bowl game. It's very different than. It was different. I mean, it's like, one, the last time I'd coached a position was like three years prior at a Division three school where, you know, the pressure was like, you know, having a pillow on your head, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I'm an offensive guy and I'm coaching the linebackers at UCLA, at UCLA. For, <laughs> for a bowl game. And, you know, my, you know, like I asked a lot of people, you know, for advice on, you know, what, what to do, what to expect. And, you know, for the month leading up to that, you know, it was just like, if you're prepared for the meeting, everything I heard was if you're prepared and you show those guys that, you're prepared, you care, you want to win, you know, and you you are bought in no matter what happens after the bowl game. If you show them that this is all that matters to you, you know, those guys will buy in, right. you know. Yeah. And, you know, for the most part, like, I was as organized as I possibly could be. Meanwhile, I'm doing the same thing I had to do as a GA. All the other responses. All the other stuff, like draw my run game for mm-hmm. the, you know what I mean? Like, break down the games, draw my run game. Now, I did have a month to do it, what I would normally do in a week, so yeah, yeah. I could do a lot more. But also, in that month, I'm like, I'm trying to essentially become a linebacker coach. You know, like... Yeah, I'm, teach yourself yeah, like small yeah, tidbit. Yeah, I'm a linebacker GA all year. I, I know what's going on. I've helped out in individual drills, but ha- I haven't run the practice as a linebacker coach and made adjustments as yeah. a linebacker coach. In and, game. Yeah, and especially in game, let alone in practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm usually with the scout team or, you know, like, so it's it was... Kansas State's not the easiest team to prepare for, by the way. Let me tell you something. Kansas State might have been the worst team in the country besides, like, Air Force, Army, Navy. Good luck to have to run game. To have to prepare for. And, you know, my biggest, my, I mean, my contribution to the game plan was what we did the second half of Texas A&M, guys. We're doing that for Kansas State. That is essentially what I said, you know, like, Cover zero, no pressure, you know, yeah. like all when in doubt or, you know, cover three, let's get as many backers in the box as we can get. Yeah. Um, and essentially I was just for a month, I talked run fits and quarterback run fits. And it, it, for me, it's crazy a month. for me, it was as a wide receiver, as a player, as a being in a quarterback room for two years, wide receiver room, you know, like. Now, all of a sudden, I am all I do all day long is talk run fits. Mm-hmm. And it was Opposite it was life. challenging, man. Yeah, I mean, it life. was so challenging. And it, do you feel like that helped you a lot as a coach? Like you absolutely. Up? I mean, it absolutely helped me as a coach, but it was to have to have Kenny Young like stare me in the face and like questioning things and like, you know, asking difficult questions yeah. and, you know, it's not like he's, trying to he's a senior on his yeah. way out going yeah. to the NFL draft and this you know, for him, this game's important because, you know... It's the last tape they'll see. The last tape they'll see. He, you know, he's got some questions about his toughness and his, you know, against the run, and what better team to prove that than Kansas State. Right. And so now I'm here going, all right, Kenny, this is what we're going to do. You're my Mike linebacker. You are going to be fast-flowing. You have no... You can spill like crazy, you know, like you can take it on any shoulder you want. Essentially, is what I'm telling you. Um, my Sam and my Will, you guys have a lot of rules. But I'm trying to make it like, Kenny, you're going to have a game, right. you know? Now, fast forward till two days before the game. I lose my Will linebacker two days before the game for, you know, some reasons that, like, I won't, you know, I don't want to hurt the kid, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's it just certain situation, and he, he can't play. 
So all of a sudden now, the starting Will for the season has out with a labrum. Now my Will, who we had gotten to where he was, who ended up being a great linebacker, can't play in the bowl game. Two days before the bowl oh. game. And, and you've never coached linebackers. And I've never coached linebackers before. And now I, I look to Kenny Young and say, Kenny, I, you know, you need to play Will linebacker. Because my next best in order to have the best three linebackers, I had to it pull in a mic. Right. Yeah. Like, I would be going to my third string Will instead of I had my second string Mike, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so I said, Kenny, you got to play Will for me, which he's done, and which I would imagine he might do in the next level. Right. You know, is he's, he's kind of that body. But I said, you know, you've practiced for a month against this Kansas State run game as a Mike linebacker with no rules. Like, you can just fly around. Now you have to go play Will linebacker. And so, like, to be honest, my bowl week in Phoenix, Arizona was not a scramble, but like a... But super stressful. Stressful, you know? And, like, meetings weren't just bowl meetings where, you know, you're just going over the same stuff and, you know, your guys are ready and you... You're talking, you know, you're just rehashing things and review and review and review. All of a sudden, two days before the game, it's like, okay, Kenny, you're playing Will Linebacker. Lo Kenny, you haven't started a game in your career. You haven't played more than 10 snaps in your career. You're starting Mike Linebacker against Kansas State. You know, it's it was, uh, That's crazy. It was crazy. And, you know, for the first half, man, we were rolling. Yeah. And it was 17 to 7 or whatever going into the half, and we were hanging on by like masking tape. You know, that's yeah. the operation was really like we, that's we were playing crazy. cover zero, no pressure, or either cover three with the safety coming down like at 10 yards. And I mean, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. It was, uh, this was a wild experience. A very different so cool. experience than I could ever imagine. I mean, the day it happened, I, I think it came out on the football scoop. Like with yeah, that, right. I was coaching the linebackers, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and I had a couple people reach out. A guy I had met at a camp. I worked at San Jose State recruiting camp that summer, and the linebacker coach from San Jose State. Um, I kind of I worked with him, and I said, "Hey, I'm I'm a linebacker GA this year. I'm an offensive guy. You know, I'm just kind of learning the ropes, learning the defense. I think it'll help me out in my career." Yeah. And for me, it was like a it was just like one little stop on the road. Like defense wasn't my mm-hmm. goal. And the day that it came out of the football scoop, his GA, this San Jose State coaches, linebacker coaches GA, hit me up in an email and said, hey, just saw what happened, like such a big opportunity. These guys let me coach the Sam linebackers like in my own room as a GA this year. And he's like, if you got any questions, you know, like, That's you know, right. th- th- I call them right away. I'm like, all right, what? Yeah, right. Like, yeah, like, no, I literally call him right away. I maybe talked to the guy for that day. You know, I met him for the first time. I hadn't talked to him since. But, like, I'm like, right, yeah, I need some help, man. Like, what do you think? Like, yeah. and he's like, the biggest thing is get these guys to play for each other, keep them together, mm-hmm. because it's a unique situation. Your coach mm-hmm. gets fired and like people are disappearing. They feel like people are leaving them, you know? Right, like, right, yeah. They're unsure of things and they're not gonna be invested. And you know, like I did struggle with some of the guys that weren't gonna play. They I'm sure they sure. were kinda, they weren't, you know, they weren't disrespectful, but they just sort of like not invested mm-hmm. in it, you know? Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I wasn't, too concerned about them. I just focused on the four or five guys that might affect the game. Right. And I just worried about them. As long as they weren't disrupting what I was doing, I wasn't gonna like you know, at the end of the big at the end of at the end of the meeting I'd be like, I understand like, you know, you're you're red shirting, you know. Whatever. But like have some respect. You know, I'm I'm doing my best here, you know. And like I wouldn't do it in front of the rest of the guys. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be, you know it was hard. I mean to to be a disciplinarian in that part of the season in that situation, like whew. throwing you into that situation where it's crazy. But I guess no, you know, no one could take that away from me. No, Whether I awesome. ever make it in this level ever it's again, you know, well, yeah, yeah. you coach linebackers for a game. Yeah. The craziest bowl I ever went to, unbelievably crazy, was the Sun Bowl. They were they were nuts. You want to hear those stories? First of all, we go there. They took our kids to uh, what do they call when they have the male strippers, the um, Antilli or well, they have male strippers anyway. So they take the team. I said, "Why the hell are you going to a male stripper for?" You know? The male strippers stop, and our team walks in, and these girls are all riled up. 
Coach Ross had them leave. I think they had to leave at 11 o'clock. They go, Coach, things are just getting good and we got to leave. <laughs> that, that was just one thing. And then they took the team to a barbecue out in the middle of the desert. I mean, we're out there. I'm driving in a car behind the bus. Tumbleweeds are going by. And going, where the hell are we? We're driving. And all of a sudden, the bus stops in the middle of nowhere. And I'm in a car. Jimmy Cavanaugh is in the car. Greg Williams, myself. I think Denny Murphy was there. And we see this car pull up, and what happened was these these guys had masks over, had bandanas over their face. They come onto the bus with guns, and they they say, we're looking for Turkey Brown. Well, Turkey Brown was a kid who played defensive back. He was at Oklahoma. They had played there two years ago. And he goes, we want Turkey Brown, Gib Romaine, and David Salazzo. We want them now. So they said, where are they? So everybody started pointing to him. <laughs> my starting center tried to jump out and get out, and he hit his head and cut his eye. Oh, my goodness. So they take these three guys, and, oh, they said that Turkey Brown had knocked up his daughter, and they wanted him. So they handcuffed these guys. This is the true story. They handcuffed them and throw them in the back of a pickup truck. Now, we're watching this from from a car behind the bus. Well, what the hell's going on? The truck takes off. It's going like 60 miles an hour. These guys are bouncing around in the back of the pickup truck. They drive for like maybe three minutes, and they turn around, and here comes this a cop car right on their ass, and they drive to the where they were on the bus, and they do, do a fishtail. I thought the guys were going to fly out of the truck. Yeah. Turns out, it was all a hoax. So it was all put on by the bowl. Stop. Oh, I swear to God. So, <laughs> and no one knew about this. Coach Ross didn't know about it. Nobody knew about it. Wait, so, so, so the, like the bowl organization did this or what? Yeah, the bowl did it. What was the purpose of it? The gag, you know. So then, we from there, we go to this cookout. We, this, out in the middle of nowhere, there's this big barn, and they got Tennessee guys there. I don't know what they did to Tennessee. but So we have barbecue, and they have a talent show after the, the barbecue. So each team has to put players up that have some kind of talent. So we had this kid, Chuck Forsett, who was our linebacker, and he could do an impression of Johnny uh, Johnny B. Good with Chuck Berry, you know, doing the dance like he used to do. But we didn't know it, but Johnny Jones was the running back for Tennessee, and that was his theme song, you know, Johnny B. Good. So the Tennessee people, they're going, they're going bananas. If we got our linebacker doing the Johnny Jones theme song, you know. So they start, now they start having cat calls to us. So they get a guy up and he he imitates Johnny Majors. So and then he goes down and he starts flicking our freshmen by hitting them in the face and stuff. But a fight almost broke out there. Then we get we get uh Ben Jefferson, a big offensive tackle from New York. He gets up and imitates Bobby Ross with a lisp and stuff. Oh the kids are going like this, he's gonna be flying back. It almost erupted into a big brawl, you know, which is what I think they wanted us to do. They wanted to get the... So Coach Ross finally gets up and he says, I'm getting on the bus and the bus is pulling out. Anybody who wants to come, better come. So then the whole team gets up and we leave before we finish the... the, the <laughs> then they take us... The next night they take us, the coaches, both sets of coaches, they take to this hacienda. I don't know where it was, whether it was in Mexico or what. And we're drinking these warm margaritas and we had like a Mexican meal. And then they take us out back and it's a bull ring. And now we've all had a couple of margaritas and they want to know if we want to fight the bull. Oh boy! The story now. So they got a bull out there. It's a little, you know, he's not a full-grown bull, but he's got one horn down and one horn up. And they give you a cape. And now, to, before you go out there to fight the bull, you got to sign a waiver. <laughs> so we get guys are out there and they're fighting the bull. And, you know, he's missing them. And, and then this, we had this guy Todd Goodman was our equipment guy, and he had. He must have had glasses that were like Coke bottles. I mean, he's the most uncoordinated, and he was probably four foot two. He was a little guy. You know? He's going to go fight the bull. I said to my wife, oh, this ought to be good. I said, Todd, you fight this damn bull? <laughs> so Todd gets onto, onto the arena, and, um, and the bull stops. Stops fighting this other guy and looks at Todd. <laughs> and immediately makes a beeline for Todd. <laughs> Todd throws the cape up in the air, hits the ground. The bull runs right over his back. <laughs> I about wet my pants. I was laughing so hard. 
Well, Tennessee has a uh, like a graduate assistant get up there, and he's fighting the ball. He's he's doing pretty good. Now he starts to get cocky. He starts turning his back and walking away. This ball hit him bat, 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 up against the side of the nailed him like hell. Ron Zook was a secondary coach for Tennessee. He told me that that kid peed blood for like two months. Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, that's the craziest ins- ball I've ever been. This is insane. Yeah. <laughs> that was the year we came back and beat Miami. We were losing 31 nothing and a half. Came back and beat them 42-38. And then we were losing 21 nothing to Tennessee and came back and beat them 28-27. So in the same year, we had two great comebacks. To win, win games, you know. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's literally the wildest. Well, we went out the, the kids told me because I have this reunion with them every year. We talk about these things. They said they had guys when they went out that would go to the bars. They had guys that they said there was a bunch of fights that broke out, and they had guys that cleaned up the fights and got them out of there so they didn't get in trouble. But, and we went out the, the night after the game. I was two stepping with my wife. I know that. <laughs> Gave you boots and stuff. It was it was crazy. And I remember we were supposed to play in Hawaii. Coach Ross wanted to play against Notre Dame, and Lou Holtz was the coach for Notre Dame. And he had coached for Holtz and William & Mary. I don't know how they got along great or not. but So we all thought we were going to Hawaii. Notre Dame pulls out of the game, and Bobby pulled us out of the game. I said, wait a second, we could go to Hawaii, and we want to go to El Paso? Well, Maryland had been to El Paso a couple of years ago. Go, oh, oh, he said, the coaches that were there said, oh, no. He said, this is crazy, this boat. He said, leave your wife home for a week you really want a good time <laughs> that was that was the wildest bowl I've ever okay yeah that's all we've got for episode number 16 of the Sideline Hustle podcast. Thank you so much for being with us and for giving us your time. I hope you enjoyed sharing the craziness of bowl season with us. Part three of the Coaching Carousel series is coming up next, and I promise you, you do not want to miss it. We have some incredible stories gathered from the 2018 Coaches Convention, as well as insight on what it's like being fired, priorities after taking a new job, and much, much more. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on any and all of your favorite listening platforms. Happy Monday, everyone. Be on the lookout for some more more Sideline Stories episodes this week. Peace. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, check it. Uh, I'm from where they barely make it. Houses getting raided. Porch hair braiding. Late rent payment. Lack of motivation. No father figures. I ain't seen